Welcome to the Odyssey podcast. This is Jean Cavellos, director of Odyssey. Odyssey is an intensive six-week workshop for writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror whose work is approaching publication quality. Odyssey is held each summer on the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. Adult writers from all over the world apply. Only 16 are admitted. Top authors, editors, and agents serve as guest lecturers. For more information, visit www.odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast number 11 is an excerpt from a lecture Michael A. Burstein gave at Odyssey in the summer of 2007 on the plot skeleton. The text of this recording is copyright 2007 by Michael A. Burstein. The sound recording is copyright 2007 by Odyssey Writing Workshops. The plot skeleton. I will begin by saying that plotting to me is fiction. There are a lot of people who like the concept of the unplotted story, the story where you're not quite sure where it's going. Um, there are some stories out there that are unplotted, and there are some excellent stories out there that don't use the whole plot skeleton. Um, but you have to really, to some extent, know what you're doing before you start chucking these ideas out and thinking that you're trying to write fiction that you hope will be appealing to an audience. I will, however, also say that, again, you shouldn't accept anything as the be-all or the end-all. There was a time in this, uh, in, in the history of publishing, that there were editors and agents who would send back manuscripts to aspiring writers, and they would tell them, your story doesn't work because it does not fit the plot skeleton. And they would tell them, this is the plot skeleton, this is what you have to do to write a story. And writers kept doing this and practicing and writing and saying, oh, that's what I have to do. Well, the truth is that if you're just starting out, you don't know what you're doing, it's always a good idea to have some sort of framework to throw a story on. And I found it interesting that I went back and looked at some of my earliest published stories. And I didn't really at the time know about the plot skeleton, but I said to myself, hey, I can actually break this story down and put it in the framework of the plot skeleton. And to some extent, I had kind of finally intuitively gotten to this idea about what the plot skeleton is. I would suggest to you that if you're having trouble with plot, why don't you then take the time before you actually write the next story to fit it into this plot skeleton concept, just to get the idea of how you know, to write a plotted story. So here is the plot skeleton. There's, there's seven steps to the plot skeleton. And if you, some of you may have seen this before, and, and it comes up a lot in a variety of, of fiction. Step one is a character. Step two is in a context. And step three, and to me, this is what really, this is what kicks off the plot, makes it a story. Anyone want to guess what goes in step three? A problem. Ah, thank you, yes. A character in a context with a problem. So that's the first three steps. A character in a context with a problem. Now, as you're writing your story, as you're developing your story, you don't necessarily have to start with point one. There are some people who want to start with point one. You say, oh my god, I really want to write a story about a prince of a magic kingdom. You know, and that, there's your character. You know, or I want to write a story about you know, a young boy who finds out that he's actually a wizard. Not that anyone ever write anything like that. <laughs> anyway, so you can come up with a character, or you might be more interested in the context part first. That's that whole idea of the setting that you created. But the key thing here, if you're writing a story, 
is the problem, the key thing. You have a character in a world, you're not going to have a story unless there's an actual problem that the character has and the character has to solve. That is where you have to think if you're going to write a story. Otherwise, you're just sitting there and you're, you may be having fun. You may be writing character history. You may be writing character background. You may be writing world history, world background. And there's nothing that says that, this is, that, that you shouldn't do this. This can be very helpful. J.R.R. Tolkien began the entire Lord of the Rings because he was a linguist fascinated with language, and he created the Elven language. This was his obsession. He was fascinated by this idea, and he came up with this whole language. And it was then that he started saying, well, if I have this language, what am I going to do with it? What's the world in which it was developed? And out of that, he wrote The Hobbit. And then the sequel, you know, let's not forget The Lord of the Rings is actually one of the great sequels of literature, like uh, Huckleberry Finn is one of the, you know, the sequel, which in some ways is much better than the original. But, and, but he, di he did have all of this wonderful backstory he wanted to write, but he, he couldn't really write it, he couldn't sell it as something people want to read until he had the problem. If anyone here is a Tolkien fan, if you ever read anything like the Silmarillion or some of the, the stuff, they, you know, once the Lord of the Rings was out there, there was a market for people to read all this backstory. But the fact is that nobody picks up the Silmarillion first because they think, hey, I want to read all this backstory about this world. They're interested in the world first because of the problem that he created about getting rid of that one ring. So the problem is the important part here of the plot. This is the first three steps of the plot skeleton. We then have step four. In step four, the main character that you've created here tries to solve the problem and fails. In step five, the main character tries to solve the problem and fails. In step six, the main character tries to solve the problem and succeeds. Ah, gotcha. And in fact, step six is sort of more the last, the, the, the main character makes the last ditch effort to solve the problem. Why, why like this? Well, why are there three steps here? Why don't we say they fail and they fail again? Why don't we say they succeed on the first time? If you solve the problem the first time, the problem's inconsequential. You know, it's like, um, I, I need to take, I can borrow money from the bank because I need to buy a house. And I go to First National Bank. Hi, I'd like to borrow some money. Why, certainly. Here, have $500,000 and buy yourself a nice house. Well, thank you. <laughs> there's, no, there's no story there anymore. There's been, the problem was too easily solved. And, and, and there's no interest in reading it. I mean, it's sort of, whereas, you know, that, that, so you have to have the, you know, the, the problem fail. I go, you know, go to the bank. I want to borrow the money for the house. Well, sorry, we can't give you the money because you have, you know, these major outstanding loans. Now, this may then change the problem. To solve the money, I may have to do something else. This is when you start building things. Oh, well, I have to take care of these loans. How do I do that, et cetera, et cetera. What I've presented here, to a great extent, is a plot skeleton for a short story or a novel and a novella. Obviously, you can have more steps of failure, but there comes a point when if there's too much failure, your, your readers may get sort of you know, um, fatigued by all the failure that's taking place to your character. If you're going to write something even longer, you want to have small successes on the way, as well as other setbacks and things like that. But for, for, again, for just starting out, this is a good sort of thing here. So character tries to solve the problem, fails, tries to solve again and fails. This is it. This is our last chance. Solve the problem, and we succeed. And then finally, there's actually one final step here, which I, I, I've seen people call it different things. I like to call it validation in step seven here. So what I like to think about it is, what was this all about? 
if I'm going to spend some of my time with your fiction, as Robert Heinlein would put it, you know, we're competing, he always said, we're competing with the reader's beer money. If I'm, <laughs> I, I get the feeling Heinlein liked beer, you know. Um, so the point of step seven here, validation, what was the story about? Why, you know, why should I spend my time reading the story? Why should I care about what happened to your characters? And, and probably the, the worst thing that can happen when you're writing a story is you're not giving the reader a reason to care. Yeah, and, and it can be difficult to figure out what that reason is to care. I have difficulty with that myself. You, know, you can't say to somebody, well, here, I've written a story, and it's about this, you know, this poor woman who's dying of cancer and has five kids, and, and the father who's in a bus accident, and how are the kids going to survive? And you say, see, you, you, and see how much I, I, I'm drawing on the reader emotion, and I'm like, why should I care? What makes this character different? What makes this problem different? And that's the point at which you have to tell me something like, well, you should care because I'm showing you the story about how this woman manages to get above her disease and, and, and raise money and set up a trust fund for her kids to like advertise their situation. I'm like, okay, now you've given me some reason, some validation to why this story is a vital, important thing for me to read. Okay? So these are the steps of the plot skeleton, and I would strongly suggest that as you're, when you start writing your story and building your ideas, you take a look and see how you can put your characters into a plot. Don't just, you know, have your, have your background, as you've talked about. You know, we've talked a little about developing your character, but figure out what that problem is that the character to solve. <coughs> to be honest, all of these things, to a great extent, would be intricately related to the story. I mean, when you, it's funny, because like, if you see essays on character and, and, and plot, as it were, problem plot, you'll often have writers say, well, look, you know, character is defined in terms of plot, and plot, you know, in I mean, they're inter they really are interconnected, you know, because who your character is in some ways determines the plot your character is going to go through, and the plot determines, I'm trying to remember, there's a phrase I read once, what is incident but the, but the determination of character, what is character, but, you know, I don't remember the phrase, if I run across it or if Gene runs across it, I'm sure you know, can share it with you, but to give you an example of, of how these things are, are integrated, and even the validation is integrated, one classic example I remember reading is three soldiers are marching through the woods, or whatever, through the wilderness, and they come to a river, and they have to get across the river. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very cold water river. It's easily, you know, they can easily swim across it, but they do have to get across. What do they do? And the commander tells them, we're going to take a, you know, let's take a 10-minute break, and then we'll reconvene on the other side of the river. Well, one soldier swims across the river right away and takes his break on the other side. The second soldier waits on the side of the river for the 10 minutes and then swims across at the very end. The third soldier spends his 10 minute break walking up and down trying to find a more shallow place to cross the river hoping that maybe there's a place to cross and then at the end goes across the river. Each of these things shows you a difference between among the three characters. What can you tell me about the first soldier, the one who swims across the river at the beginning of the break? He's the kid that jumped into the water first. He's the kid that jumped into the water first. Is one possibility. Yeah. Likes to get stuff over with. He likes to get the stuff over with. You know, he, he may, you know, he either he's the kid who really likes to jump over, or he's the kid who wants to get stuff over with. Doesn't like having, you know, to wait. You know, it's, you know, for 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 the, for the bad news to happen. Just okay, I got to do this. You know, you got to go to the dentist. Let's do it now. What about the person who waits, takes their ten minute break, and then swims across the river? Could fear the challenge. Fears yeah. fears the challenge. Yeah. He could fear the challenge. He doesn't really want to face up to the challenge. What's another possibility? He 
could be checking oh. to see if the first guy got across the Maybe there are alligators in the river. I shouldn't watch in as many as you Or doesn't consider it a big task, so he's just not going to do it the last minute. Sort of, you know. well, I get up, yeah, we have to get across the river. I'll, I'll, I'll rest now, and then I'll do it afterwards. It's not that big a deal. Um, he could be the person who's hoping for rescue. Like, he thinks maybe if I wait, something will happen, and I'll yeah. have a better solution. No, that, that's interesting you should put it that way. That makes it, in a way, very passive, almost, yeah. and, and as opposed to, we're about to see the third one. Yeah. I was, well, I was going to say, similar to that, I mean, maybe he's someone who kind of lives for the moment. Like, oh, if I'm going to rest now, I'm going to rest now. In ten minutes, who knows, the enemy army might show up, and this might be irrelevant, you know. <laughs> and where is the third, the third soldier? What can we say about the third soldier? Problem solver. Problem solver? There's your hero. Sorry, there's your hero. Now that's interesting because one, I mean, you you saw that you saw the problem solver trying to figure out there's another way to get around the river, right? So you're seeing that here that that soldier's a problem solver. Any other possibilities? He likes to see what's there. He he evaluates the situation. He wants to. He so he's more methodical in thinking about it. There must be another way. He can't swim. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, these are all these are all great. I never the reason I think it's brilliant. I never would have thought of it. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't. Yeah, I, I like it. He can't swim. And yeah, so at the end he does get across the river. So he probably does it as well as he possibly can. But yeah, he's a soldier who can't swim. He's going to look for any other possibility other than having to swim across the river. There's got to be some sort of, maybe a branch or something that could fall over. The, the other thing I would point out, that when I was thinking about this guy also, is that remember that the commander, you know, gives them a 10-minute break. These guys are marching through the woods or whatever. They're taking a 10-minute break if they really need it. You know, if this guy says, I'm going to spend my 10-minute break walking back and forth to try to find another way to solve this problem, obviously that's a very different type of character thing. So you can see how character and plot are very much integrated together. Val validation also has to be integrated. You can have validation at the end of the story. You can say at the end of the story, this is why the story is important, this is what the story means. But one hopes that as the reader is reading the story, they're picking up all the reasons why this is such an important story, all the reasons why this story is necessary. What, what was your impetus for writing it, and what is my impetus for reading it? Why should I read it? Why should I care about these characters? This podcast marks the end of our first year of free excerpts from Odyssey Lectures. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, I hope you'll consider visiting our website at www.odysseyworkshop.org and making a donation. The text of this recording is copyright 2007 by Michael A. Burstein. The sound recording is copyright 2007 by Odyssey Writing Workshops.